Hey, everybody. It's episode 434 of PodQuest. Hey. Hey. It's Wednesday, or no, it's Tuesday, December 6th, 2022. I am Chris. With me is Druton. Hello. And Walnut. Hi, I'm here. Yeah. How's everything going, guys? Oh, it's going. Uh, you know, still uh, still tired from this weekend. <laughs> I was exhausted. Well, you should sleep more. I, I do sleep quite a bit. Do you, I, though? I I showed up to the convention later than everyone else. I left later than everyone else. Like, I, I well, it's Friday into Saturday, I did stay up late. Um, but the rest of the weekend, I, I was generally out by midnight, and I didn't leave to go to the convention until after 10 o'clock. So, what like, a slacker. What was I going to do before 10 o'clock? Or by 10 know. o'clock? Go to a panel? Get some I'd, breakfast? There was maybe one panel all weekend that I was interested in. And, and you I could have gone to that if you would have gotten there before 10 o'clock. I think it was after 10 o'clock. That's not the point. You had to get in line. N- uh, no. Not at PAX. I don't know, man. Some, some of those panels fill up. Yeah, well, and then it's fine. And I wouldn't have gone. I don't know. Most of the panels at PAX I just don't really care for. No, I'm the same. Like, they're just... They, the panels just really don't appeal to me. Mm-hmm. But we're not talking about PAX yet. Yeah. Um, so, Rich... We'll just we'll just get started. What's on the agenda? Yeah. Uh, so we had book club this week. We all should have watched um, the indie film called Birdies. Um, and then uh, we all went to PAX Unplugged this weekend. It's not a very busy uh, 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 show. I I did also I, I I beat Pokemon yesterday. Somebody didn't send out a message saying what did we do this weekend? But like we're not going to talk about that yet. No, we're absolutely not because you know PAX. Yeah. There's plenty of packs to talk about. Yes, I'm sure there, there is. is. And and you already sent out your tweet that you're going to be streaming at 8 o'clock. So we're on, we're on a strict timeline. I mean, if we're late, we're late. It happened yesterday. It happens all the time. It's Are you always sh- late? Uh, not really. I'm usually on time. I'm usually by within... I don't consider being late, but I'm usually within a minute or two of the said start time. I don't know, man. I get these, like, I see your tweets of, I'll be live at 7, and then I get notifications at, like, 7.15 that you're live. Yeah, I've told you a hundred times those notifications are delayed. By 15 minutes? Yes. No. Yeah. No. <laughs> are Do you have them set to be delayed like that or something? Because no. I get other people's way more accurate than that. No, it's, it's, they're, they are delayed. They, like, I've, I've seen other friends that have been live for an hour, and I haven't gotten them until then. Like, they can be upwards, they can be delayed upwards of an hour. I've I've had people on my stream with me saying, oh, look, you're live. Because they just got the notification like an hour and a half after I started. Yeah, I've, I've, I don't believe you. I'm just going to say it. No, like, they, they, they are, like, sometimes they're, they're right on time. Sometimes they're delayed. It's 50-50. But, like, it's just, it depends on how much Twitch likes you. And I'm a small streamer, so Twitch doesn't like me. Yep, and you're just... I feel like you're just trying to, to make us believe that you're not late when you're really you're 15 minutes late to every stream. I mean, I could be. That's fine. <laughs> it's, well, not also, like, it's, it's not like anybody's sitting there waiting for me to go live. I always go live to zero people. So That's fair. Also, there's the old adage, if you're on time, you're late. Well, when you, you have like those countdown things, right? Like yeah. you have like the... the buffer screen or whatever you want to call it? Yeah, I set, I set up a little like going live screen. Um, How long does that run before you start? Uh, six minutes. Um, but at four, it cuts to my first two-minute ad break. So that once that's over, we're live. Okay, so yeah, so this way you're not, like, 
necessarily having an ad in your first yeah. hour. Yeah, so the the reason I have it set that way is the idea is I am supposed to go live six minutes early. And then at, or like, I'm, I should try to go live, yeah, there's there's a delay on my ads by about four minutes or something like that, or, or I, I don't know. But it's supposed, I, the way I'm supposed to do it is go live six minutes early so that the first ad break ends on the dot on the hour. And then every half hour, so at 30 at, and, and at the hour, the next two minute ad spot goes. Alright, that's fair. Uh, so how about this movie, Birdies? How about this movie, Birdies? How about this? I thought, you know, I would not say it was bad. I, I, it's definitely not good. But I wouldn't say it was bad. I thought it, I thought it was fine. Like, it had some, 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 some scenes that I was just like, ah, you don't need that. But overall, it was just, it was a stupid, silly movie that, like, I don't know, made me laugh a few times. And I enjoyed it. I agree I with it, it being was stupid. <laughs> oh, yeah, go ahead, Cobb. Um, I did, I thought it was pretty bad. Um, I think it, the acting was all just very, very bad. Like, there were, like, two people that weren't just really, really bad actors. Yeah, I mean, they, a lot, of, I feel like, at least with the rich people, that was meant to be bad. The rich guys, the, the 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 bad guy team, like I feel like they were supposed to be over the top bad acting, but there were there was some yeah there were there, there were some bad bad players in it, bad actors. I, I it's it's a small indie film, so I wasn't expecting like the best out of this. Yeah, no, fair, which is what saves it from being the worst movie we've ever watched on this segment, like. Because it's an indie film, I'm going to cut it the break and still give that to the fucking Daniel Radcliffe is dead movie. <laughs> that movie's See, still the worst thing we've ever watched. That should be a, that should be a parody movie. Daniel Radcliffe is dead. Uh, yeah, it should be. And it would probably be great. But not that fucking Daniel's movie. That was fucking terrible. But yeah, I will say Erica, after having had a few drinks and smoked, said that she didn't dislike birdies. Mm-hmm. Um, I literally never laughed once at the entire movie. Well, you have no sense of humor, so it's fine. I mean, I like, do, I... <laughs> but this was not anywhere in that wheelhouse of sense of humor. Yeah, I mean, I I, la- I laughed, I laughed, I laughed enough times to make me be like, all right, this made me laugh a few times. Like, I wasn't cracking up the entire time, and I'm sure some of the jokes really didn't hit. Uh, uh, that were supposed to with me at least, but like, there were there was enough like. Just like kind of one-liners, essentially that happened that like made me just laugh it off real quick. Like yeah, for instance, when when they were when they were in uh, when the main guy was went to the hospital for the heart attack, and and Fred brings his phone and she leaves and she's leaving. She's like, "You're gonna watch porn, aren't you?" And he's like, "Yeah." And like he types in his porn. Like that didn't make me laugh. That was probably supposed to make everyone laugh. I was like, "This is dumb." Whatever, who cares? But there were other one-liners throughout the movie that I was just like, "That was good. That was clever. That was silly. That was funny." Um, and the the solo masturbation sex scene, like I thought that was stupid but funny, but so awkward. Uh, yeah, so I didn't think that cringe. was funny was at not, all. No, yeah, no, not at all funny. This was very much a movie that wanted to be like a mid two thousands like teen yeah. comedy, like your. Your grandma's boys, your Talladega Nights, like like those movies that came out like the like between like O three and O six Beer Fest. Yeah, um, I was I've never seen Beer Fest, but I was like 
I think people who thought Beer Fest was like the greatest movie would probably at least find enjoyment out of this so, movie. I watched Beer Fest on TV like two months ago. Mm-hmm. Does not hold up like in a lot of ways. Yeah, but probably. like is is still significantly better than like most other comedies of that time because there wasn't a lot of like Grandma's Boy really does not hold up at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but like those Broken Lizard movies hold up in a weird way because while they were sort of like 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 toilet humor is the best way to describe them. Yeah, like they weren't. Like, they weren't raunchy comedies. Like, right. a lot of their stuff was, like, intentionally just stupid, like, like poop jokes, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like this movie tried to go in the other direction and actually be, like, a raunchy comedy, but, like, none of the things that they were trying to, like, push as funny were funny. Like, that, like, weird masturbation scene or... Pretty the, much everything. The guy getting bit in the butt by the snake, and then... <laughs> you didn't think that was funny? No, because no. it was fucking gay panic bullshit. Like, yeah. the guy, after the fact, was like, oh, there wasn't Venom? Oh, oh, wait, am I getting... Oh, no, it's fucking... Oh. Like, fucking... No. Fucking that no. sucked. Like, the, the, it, that, it was a scene... Scenes like that are like, oh, yeah, this movie wants to be from 2005, but it was made in 2022. Yeah. Like... That scene would have played better in 2022, and then people would look at it now and be like, oh, that's not okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Like, I didn't laugh during the movie, but, like, there were moments where I went, like, huh, okay. Like, just kind of, like, I see what they were doing there. Like, they at least played, like, the the main, main guy, uh, Jake. Yeah. Jack? Jake? Jake, like, I, I think. Like, he, he was probably the one that, like, at least carried the film the best as far as acting went. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. Like, I think just some of his reactions to stuff, like, the the one thing I thought was funny, and I don't, and, like, not, like, laugh out loud funny, but just, like, the, it, they played it well, was there was a scene, it was the scene where, like, the douchey rich guy comes to their club, um, and I forget exactly what he said, but he basically said something, and Jake responded with something, like, kind of, like, quick-witted, and, like, that was one of the better, like, comebacks, and then when he went outside and, like, hit the golf ball at his car. Mm-hmm. But, like, everything else was just kind of, like, more like, okay, like, I see what they were trying to do here, but they they should have had somebody, like, that actually knew how to make a movie, like, help them with this movie. Yeah. 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 Like, like I said, I wasn't, I, I definitely wasn't expecting, like, a masterpiece. And and I I wasn't expecting, I, I honestly also wasn't fully expecting what we got with this movie. I, th- I thought it was going to be um a little less, like beer fest humor and a little bit more sports humor like i don't know for some reason i i from watching just like the trailer a little bit of the trailer i was just like all right maybe we're gonna get more like the sports golf humor and less of the beer fest drinking party humor like yeah and i I feel like if they had gone that route it probably would have played better but because they went for like the lowest common denominator it Mm -hmm. just didn't yeah 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 and it's like and again it's 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 all like this this is a film made in South Carolina, North Carolina, one of the Carolinas. And so, like, it's based in that area, and so, like, maybe some of the comedy didn't hit because we just weren't really in that area. And and that might also be some of it, but, like, overall, I, like, go ahead. I, I feel like they make zero reference to exactly where the place is, so I feel like that point is moot. Like, it, it did not seem like a regional thing. Like, it just seemed like the writing was bad. Um, but overall, like, I, I, it was, it wasn't what I expected, but it was, 
as much as I, I got out of it as much as I was expecting to get out of it. Yeah, so you mentioned that somebody in this was like a YouTuber that you followed or something like that? Yes. Uh the guy with the um octopus tattoo. Um I can't God. remember the character's name. He was like the like he, he was the pretty much the second or the second uh or the, not not or like the main supporting actor. What was he the guy that lived in the trailer? He Hang on, the I have one, to go get yeah. the dog the dog to stop barking. I'm assume, assuming somebody parked outside so the dogs are barking at <laughs> him and Eric is not home yet. Mm-hmm. Um uh, but yeah, Nate, Nate Fielding, I believe his name was, uh, he, he, uh, he is part of the Neves Gaming, uh, crew on YouTube. Uh, his name on that is Derelius. Okay, yeah, I've, other than you mentioning it before this, I've never heard of that. But I also, yeah. I, like, I don't really watch YouTube, so, like, why would I? Yeah, um, cause, like, the, that, that entire crew, the whole entire Neves crew, they were in the film industry. Each of them had parts in the film industry in some way, shape, or form. One of the main guys, uh, Simon, he was, like, a set designer and builder. Uh, Nate has been an actor, uh, Dorelius. Thick, who is currently on hiatus from the show because he had brain cancer. Um, Ooh, again, again, uh, he, he was on, actually, do you remember, Cobb, I think you watched the, the show. Um, it was the one where the dome goes over the town. The dome? I guess that's what it was called. Uh, I believe Thick was in that. Um, and then both Neebs and, uh, Absbro, Absbro were, um, just animators and such. And, like, you might know them from Battlefield Friends. That's probably, I've like, I've never heard of that either. It was, a, it was an animated thing where they just pretty much make fun of the Battlefield games. Um, and, like, when. It, like, YouTube? Yeah. But it's, like, yeah. old-school YouTube. Like, it's been around for a while. Yeah, honestly, like, I never hit, like, the YouTube thing, so, like, I really it, don't know YouTube stuff. Like, they might have been, like, Newgrounds, even. Like, that's how long they've done Battlefield Friends. Okay. Yeah, no, I've I've never heard of that yet, either. Same. Um, but, yeah, like, they, they do a bunch of different, like, unscripted comedy shows on YouTube. Like, they're revolving around gaming. I hope whatnot. it's funnier than this movie was. Jesus. Oh, it's, it's, <laughs> it, abs- it absolutely is. It absolutely is. It's, it's a lot funnier because it's, it's unscripted. It's, it's improv. It's not like written and they're not trying to act. They're pretend, they're like they, they are playing characters, but they're not acting as characters, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so like they're playing these characters that they've been playing for years and it's just like they get the, it's, they get themselves stuck in stupid scenarios and like I found, I find, I find it funny and enjoyable. But yeah, so that's that's where that's how I knew how I learned about the, uh, this movie is um, Duralius Nate Fielding, I believe his name was, is uh, was in it, and I was just like, you know what, let's let's check it out, let's see how Duralius did. And overall, I think Duralius was fine. Was I the- mean, he he was not one of the worst actors in it. Yeah, like, yeah. It the people that actually spent like the like the 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 main golfer guy, that guy the older guy, and the one, like, female bartender, like, Mm -hmm. they were fine. Like, I could totally see them in, like, a cable, like, sitcom role. Um, It's Mm -hmm. everybody else in that movie was absolute dog shit at Yeah, I wonder, I honestly wonder how much the director, like, pushed them into these over-the-top characters. So, like, the problem is, it's not so much that their characters were over-the-top, it's that, like, they were trying to be over the top, but they they were they were flat deliveries. Yeah, like there was no actual like 
emotion or anything behind even some of the most ridiculous things they did. And they did just, they leaned on a lot of, like, very tired tropes and jokes from 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, I don't disagree with Drew. Like, this was not the worst thing we've ever watched. Um, like, the, I... And, like, part of it may be because, like, it, it was completely free on that, um, that Tubi thing. But, like, I'd watch this again before I ever watched, um, Jingle All the Way 2 again. Or, or, or the, the, I forget what that movie was called. Swiss Army Man. Yes. That. Yeah. Like, you know, both I, of those like, were far worse. <laughs> I, I can't agree with Swiss Army Man. But I also. Well, you know. No. That movie's let me, fucking so bad. Let me finish. I also don't know if I would ever just watch Swiss Army Man again in general. Like yeah, I'm not I mean, that's saying I would necessarily, I'm, don't necessarily have to. I'm not I'm not necess- I'm not saying I would rather watch Swiss Army like I would rather watch Swiss Army Man again before I watch this m- movie. Honestly, like again, Swiss Army Man was another movie that I was not expecting to have some of the themes that they put into it. Like it was just absolutely not what I thought it was going to be. And it just, like, those themes were just uncomfortable and not funny. But, like, personally, I enjoyed this movie more than I enjoyed Swiss Army Man. But I also wouldn't, probably wouldn't watch this movie again. Oh, yeah, no, like, I definitely wouldn't watch it again. But, like, if I had to watch one of the three, I'd watch this one again. Because at least this one, like... It has heart. (laughs) I mean, it doesn't. Like, that's kind of the problem. It's just, I think it was, like, the... It's weird because, like, it had a... It it was offensive in, in certain parts. But, like, I guess it was just the least, like, boring? I'm not sure what the right word is. Yeah, no, I know exactly how you feel, because I agree. Also, I just realized it's been almost a year since we watched Jingle All the Way, too. Mm -hmm. Alright, it's time to start our, we watch a movie every year, over and over again. Are we just going to watch Jingle All the Way, too, every year? No. No. Because no thank you. you. (laughs) Uh, Well, let's Um, watch Jingle All the Way. Like, at least get Turbo Man this time. I do have a Christmas movie picked for this week, or nice. a, or a Christmas adjacent, let's call it. Nice. Fair. Um, but yeah, like this, like yeah, it's just I feel like had had they had like a like a proper writer kind of do a once over on this script and replaced most of the cast with people that knew how to act, like something could have been salvaged here. Um, yeah. Cause, like, I feel like they tried to build a lot of relationships with characters that just kind of go nowhere and then are resolved at the end. Mm-hmm. Like, the the owner of the golf course and the secretary from the other place. Like, they have that date, then they ignore each other's calls, and then, oop, they're together at the end. It's like... Well, and, like, I think they, they kind of seemingly set things up in the background, but poorly i think some yeah, of this exactly. might be a little to cutting because like the way they're they're fourth in the tournament joined the club you knew <laughs> he found out about the club from her and so obviously that's how like that's why she was connected to it in the end and why they were like she they were they were still talking but they cut it to make it seem like they weren't and so like yeah there 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 are a lot of problems with this movie in in a lot of different ways the way the acting was the way the writing was and the way they cut it but i i bet that if even just cutting this movie in a different way um would have made the movie a lot better i mean that could help but like i i do think a lot of the issue just came down to the a lot of these people were not actors and they were given roles that they were just not equipped to to do 
Um, and even being like very small roles, like they made the film hard to watch. Mm. Can I tell you a, a thing I noticed that fucking completely broke it for me? What's that? So the the main golfer guy, Jake, keeps telling the story about how in college he did whatever that caused the issue with him and his girlfriend to his girlfriend never wanted them to golf again. Mm-hmm. Story gets told multiple times. It was in college. He t- says it happened after his sophomore year when he won states, which... A, is not a thing that would happen in college, but then B, later in the movie, they show, like, the newspaper headline, and he was 23 as a sophomore in college? I mean, that's possible. That's possible. But if, you, if you're, if you like, uh, yeah, it's possible if you got held back for five, like, four years in high school, and, like, it's no. like, no, no, no. You would no. not have been a sophomore. That's w- You could easily have fucking fact-checked that you would be, like, 20 like (laughs) college a college sophomore isn't necessarily someone who's been there for on their second year college soft like freshman yes sophomore and junior are a little bit more open um plus it might just you can can be considered a sophomore based on not having enough credits and so you still have the credits of a sophomore but it is entirely possible hold on hold on but if you are playing college athletics no you cannot like, like that's part of being el- being eligible for college athletics is you have to have the 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 credits done. So, like, that is a th- like yes, you could it could take you so long to build enough credits in re- in reality for just regular person, but someone that's an athlete and like participating in athletic sports for the college cannot. Maybe he didn't start going to college till he was twenty one. That's actually what I was going to say. It's possible that he didn't go right to college after high school. But as a like like they there's no way way in reality that that's the case. Like if he's the phenom star golfer, he'd have gone right away. But well, did they he say didn't know he could did, golf until he got to college? They, they never said he was going on a scholarship. They just said he was really good at golf. He started playing golf in college or he or like he was just really good at golf. Like they didn't even say he was really good in college. Yes, I don't they remember. did. Yeah, they I, did. I, literally well, like, multiple times. Well, yeah, but they just they did they never said he went to school for golf, and he never they never said that he was in a golf scholarship. No, that, no, that is true. But, like but, they did not say he was he was on like a scholarship. I I never did either. <laughs> but it's just if you go start college a few years later, you're then a sophomore. And you're 23, and you are potentially better than any other player on the team where you go to states. I mean, look, maybe his school didn't have like a like a like a golf program like for like for like scholarships or whatever. He had to go to community college for a couple of years. Y'all know how community college is. It takes you 12 years to get through uh-huh. that shit. Yeah, it took it took me four years to get a two year degree at, at Cannon County. Like it's it's it it, it is. I mean, yeah, it's really dependent on how he went to college. I'm uh, like, I'm. I, it's not impossible for his scenario to have have, have happened. It's not impossible, but come on, they should have just made him twenty twenty one, and like it. It's funnier though that way if he was twenty three, <laughs> or, or they or they probably could have just not had his age, or that just make it. Yeah, just put the salt and like done yeah, college sophomore <laughs> arrested or whatever. Yeah. 
or like done. But like, it's I, like I, don't I, like just don't write yourself into a hole for a thing that you've done the whole like. But to be, I didn't. I didn't see I didn't see the age on 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 the newspaper when they said it. I don't remember seeing an age on the newspaper. But also, that's not something I would have thought of. A twenty three year old college no. I, I, okay, that can happen. Like it's 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 not really like I said. It's not an impossible thing. It's a, not an impossible feat to where it's like it might have taken you out of it. But I don't think the majority of the world would look at that and say, "Oh, that's impossible." I think I, I I feel like maybe you are the outlier in this one. Oh, but I mean the majority of the, the world people not go, in on we're, we're like the four people well, who are ever watching this movie. Ignore the fact that people haven't watched it. When I say majority, you know what I fucking mean. It's people aren't going to notice that small aspect. It's like of of the f- three people on this podcast that watched it, you're the only one who thought of it. You're the outlier. So thirty three percent of the world will notice it. <laughs> it's cool. <laughs> Yeah, but that still leaves, you know, 66, or no, that's not how you do it. Yeah, 66%. No, yeah, 66% of the world isn't going to notice it. Still greater odds that people aren't yeah. going to notice it than notice we're the ma- We're the majority there, buddy. Fair, but whatever. Like, fucking, <laughs> fucking, it just goes to, like, simple, like, fact-checking in editing and the writing. Like, it was a two, I noticed it immediately. I was like, wait a minute, no, fucking wrong. But like if like there are plenty of movies with poor fucking that sort of stuff. So like that is not one of the things that I would like, hold against this. Yeah, and it's like I said, you could be a junior in college for three years, just yeah, not an athlete. Could, just but not an athlete. I mean, it, it, no, like you can literally like no. I've seen movies and things where it's like, oh, I'm I've like I don't know, I don't know college man. College is stupid. Yeah, like co- like if you are an athlete for college. You actually do have to maintain a certain amount of credits and a certain GPA, regardless of if you're on a scholarship. Like, yeah. you are not allowed to participate in a sport or, like, any sort of, like, extracurricular thing if you do not maintain, like, a certain standard for your education. Yes. And, like, to be fair, and I think a lot of movies, like, like lean into this, there are colleges where, like, because the colleges make so much money off of athletes that they give, like, their star football players, like, the light course load so that you know they they get a bunch of four credit courses where like they don't have to do any work because they want them to just rest and be ready for the games but like they still they do still have to at least have their like 12 to 15 credits a semester to move up to like like it's not grades but like to move up to like the next year each Mm -hmm. year or they wouldn't be eligible to play in something that is an intercollegiate sport. Yeah. And then the school doesn't make money. Exactly. And that's all the school care about. Like, we live in America. Mm-hmm. All all colleges care about is making money. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, absolutely. But do you guys want to hear what I have picked for the next book club? Sure. sure. It's a great movie. It's from 1992. Batman Returns. Okay. okay. I it's, guess uh, that is technically a crime. Yep. They, they light the Gotham tree in, near the beginning of it. Okay. Nice, nice. Yeah, it's, it. You know, it's it's one of those ones where I don't have a a big memory of it, but I know Ooh. like it's not quite as good as um as the '89 Batman, and like I know it's very campy. I I have more of a memory of Batman Returns than I do the original Batman. I don't think I have ever seen the original Batman. That's a shame. The original one is very good. 
I have zero memory of it at all. Like, I have occasional blips here or there of, like, Jack Nicholson as Joker, but, like... Would you ever dance with the devil in the pale I, moonlight? I don't, I don't, I don't know any of it. Like, the movie, the Batman movie I have the most memory of is, of course, fucking Batman and Robin and Batman Forever. Those two are the ones that I have the most memory Okay, of. which one is which? Uh, Batman and Robin is Mr. Freeze. Batman Forever is, uh, 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 Riddler and, um, um, uh, uh, Two-Face. What are the other villains in Batman and Robin, then? It's Poison Ivy and Bane. Come on now. Okay. Hey, look, man, I just wanted to see if you knew it. Come on now. Uh, you know, we should actually, we should do Batman and Robin, because they sing the Freeze Miser song in that movie, and that's more Christmassy. Yeah, but that movie is not good. Uh, it's better than Birdie's. Yes, valid. But what if it's not? It is though. No, all those real bad Mister Freeze one-liners are better than anything that happened in Birdies. I don't know, man. Batman and Robin, bat nipples, bat nipples, better than Birdies. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but yeah, Batman Returns is on HBO Max. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, you know, I mean, it's got Danny DeVito, it's got uh, Christopher Walken, Michelle Pfeiffer. Michael Keaton's last time as Batman until maybe a Flash ever comes out. Mm-hmm. Like, it's got everything. It's got a, a Christmas tree. It's got some penguins. Oswald Coppelpot running for mayor. I fucking Danny DeVito just fucking going to town on a raw fucking fish wrapped in a newspaper. Yep. Yep. That happens. Oh, boy. What a move. That weird that weird scene where um where the penguin takes over bat, the Batmobile. I don't remember that scene. Um, he plants, like, some sort of, like, remote control device in there so that he's steering the Batmobile, um, while Batman is, like, trapped inside of it. Mm. I'm also pretty sure there's a, there is a scene where Batman just straight up kills somebody. If I remember correctly, like, a man has a, has, like, a, like, like, one of those, like, very cliche, like, dynamite wrapped with a, like, timer for, like, a bomb, and he just kind of, like, hands it to him and, like, shoves him in a manhole or something like that. <laughs> um, I'm like, yeah, so, fine. like... Those movies are like, like, Batman murders people in those movies, just not, like, explicitly. Like, yeah. if, if I remember correctly, when he, in Batman 89, when he comes in with the, uh, with the Batwing near the end, he fires bullets at the Joker and his henchmen. Like, I'm 90% sure that happened. But, you know, it is what it is. But yeah, Batman Returns. Should be a good time. We'll be watching that on, should have looked this up already, 22nd. So just before Christmas, actually. Yeah, we'll talk about it on the 21st. Yeah. But it'll it'll go up on December twenty second mm-hmm. for everyone to hear. Um, so how about Pax? How Boy. about Pax? Pax, man, Pax was it was an, it was another good year. Um, a lot of lot of lot of interesting games. There wasn't really that big hot ticket game this year. Um, like like last year we had the the Jurassic Park game. This year, like it was a lot more seemed like a lot more chill and like settled down like gaming like with game wise like even the um the everdell like display wasn't as big as it was last year and stuff yeah i yeah i feel like and i don't know if the, if this was announced anywhere actually i think it was i think there were actually less exhibitor space and they expanded like how many like free play tables and stuff like that they had mm-hmm. which uh, the one thing that really is a major bummer about modern packs is I, and like I I would still be wearing a mask, but it's mask mandatory and everything, which I'm grateful for. I love that. I don't want to hang out at PAX 
I don't want to meet random people at PAX right now. Like, I don't, if I'm going to play games that we got at PAX, and I don't have any, uh, any, any panels or anything planned later on, I'm just gonna say, let's go home. Because then I can actually take my mask off, and I can relax and chill out and play games at home. Like, that's the, the, like, that's kind of like the allure of PAX for me still, because it's still a mask mandated and, and we're still in the middle of the pandemic. Like, it kind of loses a bit on me because, like, I don't have that urge to just, like, look for people who might need somebody else to play a game with and be like, hey, you mind if I join you? Because, like, I just, I don't want to be hanging out with a mask on anymore. I'm I'm over which, the masks. Which is valid. Yeah. I personally fair. just hate people. So, like, I never want to sit down with a bunch of strangers. But, like, I do like the, like, like, when everyone schedules the lines and we can, like, and, like, this didn't happen this year, but, like, going over to, like, the library, finding stuff that, like, none of us own, and just, like, grabbing it and being like, oh, this game is actually kind of cool. I, I'm, I'm, I don't mind doing that, norm, like, I, if, if, if we weren't in the middle of a pandemic still, I would be like, yeah, let's do it. But even right now, if everyone's schedule aligns and we're all, it's like, all right, well, all we have left to do is just hang out and walk around still, do you want to play games? My suggestion's 100% going to be, let's just go home and play games. Because we bought, I got 10, I got like 5 or 6 games, you guys got like 5 or 6 games. Why don't we just play the new games we bought, instead of sit here and play this game, play a game that we didn't buy? Well, like, for instance, and like, we were just, we were tired on Sunday, and actually didn't stay that much longer than when you left, Rich. Mm-hmm. Um, but we we were originally going to try and go and... um grab uh that nexus inferium game the one that's there every fucking year about like the the um necromancy mm-hmm. um we looked and like so the app this year you could actually search the the library from the app um and we were gonna try and grab that and see if anyone wanted to try it out because every year we look at it and every year it's like this looks like it could be cool but it's 60 bucks do we want to just buy a 60 dollar game and like hope it doesn't suck but we figured you know we'll try it see if it doesn't suck and then maybe buy it then Mm-hmm. Um, uh, have you never been able to like play test it at their booth? No, I fucking hate play testing stuff in booths. Cause like that's that's on a, if if that's like I would much rather do that first is go go to go to a booth and go to somebody who knows how to play a game and learn how to play the game through the people at there who that are there that know how to play it rather than uh, like and this is even without masks, rather than go grab a game that I don't know of at the library, bring it down, sit down, and sit around for an hour trying to learn how to play this game we don't know how to play. You know, like, pre-COVID, I didn't mind so much, like, the, like, like doing the things in the booth, but, like, that show floor is already generally uncomfortable. Like, Saturday was just fucking awful. Oh, It was, it was, it was so fucking hot in that place. I, it's, um, it, it was mostly the rain, man. It made it more humid, which then made it more uncomfortable. But, like, that with a mask and then sitting in these tight little fucking booths, yeah. like, that's just, that is not fun. And, yeah. like, it honestly just, like, I am less interested in the game then, because I'm really just thinking, like, okay, how long until this is over or we can reasonably mm-hmm. just get up and leave? Um, Like, we'll talk about it a little bit more in a minute, but, like, you and I went and played that React game. Um, And I yeah. actually enjoyed that, but, like, we also had space. Like, that, their booth, like, they didn't have that many people in there when we happened to sit down. Yeah. And we were wrapping up right as, like, they seemed to be getting a little busier. Mm-hmm. Um, but had all of those tables been full of people, I probably would have, like, you know, halfway through been like, hey, man, we get the idea of this. You want to just, like, 
head out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, that game was fun, and, and like, I, I, I like going to the, 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 the booths and talking to the people who make the games or who know how to play the games, because, like, that's, I, I learn much better just by you showing me how to play rather than sitting there reading an instruction booklet and then, like, like yeah, the yeah. games, I, the games I bought, like, uh, uh, Seven Souls, I played an entire match of that, me and, me and the guy at the booth. Um, am I gonna remember how to play the game fully 100% when we go to sit down to play it? No, I'm not. But at least I have an idea and an understanding. And yeah, like, that I like. Like what, basically what they did at like the WizKids booth when we went over there, where like they kind of just, they, they were giving quick little demos of how the games yeah. go. So like, you get an idea of like what the, the play style is like. And if you're just talking to the person, you can ask questions. Mm-hmm. But like, you're not, you're not like literally stuck, like potentially on the inside of the booth. Yeah. Like where like it's actually difficult to get out when you're ready to get out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, a, like, that's, that's just like, I love PAX. I look forward to it every year. But right now, I look forward to like the pandemic being over and going to PAX. Yeah, fair. Because uh, like even like we already said earlier, like I there was maybe one panel that I wouldn't mind to have gone going to, but like I didn't find out about it until like that until after it was over, and I was it was just. It was like a, a, a an actual play or something like that, and I'm just like, all right, whatever, it's fine. Like, I'm not, I'm not gonna sit. I, I, I can barely sit and listen to an actual play while doing work. To sit during a convention and watch an actual play, like, I don't know if I'm gonna be able to do that. So it's just like I'd, I'd end up probably, I'd, I'd definitely end up leaving halfway through or something. And it's just like, I, uh, other than that, like, I, I don't, I don't care about fan panels. Um, I don't dislike fan panels. It's more just like what those panels are don't appeal to me because like a lot of them are like D and D related, and I'm just not super into that. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just one of those. It's like, yeah, no, I don't have to go waste an hour here. Like, I can waste an hour doing something else. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, do you guys want to just so it's a little bit easier to keep track of and we're not jumping all over the place? Um, we'll just go like the three days, and if if there was anything particular we saw on them. Sure. Yeah. Um. So, what did you guys have on Friday then? Uh. Well, I mean, I mostly stuck with you, Cobb. Uh, unfortunately, and listeners might have, I, I talked about it a little bit last week. I was sick, very sick last week. Um. So I actually didn't know I was going to go to PAX until the day of, basically. So I didn't plan any like appointments or anything like that. So basically, when I found you, Cobb, I just stuck with you. So. Like really, the only game that stuck out to me on Mon- on on Friday was the React game. Okay, so in that case, um, the the two kind of like appointments that I had made for Friday, um, the first one was with the Wiz Wiz Kids booth, um, which it wasn't like to play test anything. Um, one of their two, they had two people there that were kind of like I guess like dealing with all the the PR and media and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, the guy's name was Will that that I was talking to. He kind of like. Showed us some of the games, um, ran us through like how they worked, showed us some of the other stuff that was that that they had going on at their booth, and kind of like what they were what they were up to. Um, the two games that like he went over with us um, was one was rebuilding Seattle, and I had I had specifically asked about that one. Um, so it's like a a resource management construction game um, strategy stuff where you are working to rebuild Seattle after the Great Fire from the eighteen eighties. Um, 
Now, I don't know if you guys know anything about this. Um, Seattle burnt down in the 1880s. Um, it's a super, like, weird thing that Erica and I happen, we happened to go on a tour about this while we were in Seattle in September. So it was just kind of like a funny thing that, like, we saw this game at their booth. Um, the fire hat, like, it was like one of those, like, random, like, it was just a series of, like, bad things that led to it. Um, like, somebody was doing a thing where they were supposed to watch something and they stopped watching it and it boiled over and it started a fire, but there was nobody in the building. So, like, no one got hurt. But then the, the fire brigade couldn't put it out because they had just gotten, like, new equipment to fight fires. But the only person that knew how to use it was the captain, who was away at a firefighting conference in San Francisco. Of course. And, like, this was the eight, like the late 1800s. Like, they couldn't just fucking call him or anything like that. Um, so they had to get, like, a bucket brigade together. But it was, like, low tide. So they didn't have enough people to reach the water from where this was. Um, so it was just, like, one thing after the other. Um, and then on top of that, Seattle, in, at, like, early days of Seattle, it was built real shitty. And they based, they used sawdust to build on top of. And, like, they're below sea level in certain parts. So when the tide comes in, that sawdust just gets wet and shit just sinks. Mm-hmm. Um, so what they ended up doing after this fire, instead of, like, clearing out and, like, starting fresh, they apparently just built on top of what was already there. Um, and, like, so that's kind of like what this game is, only they didn't go into, like, the building on top of. Um, but I think the funny thing is, like, we were able to go underground in Seattle and, like, see these old buildings that, like, new buildings are just on top of. Um, back when they were doing this, though, the businesses were responsible for paying, basically, for their own streets. Um, and none of them wanted to. So a lot of places, you would open the door to a business, and there would be anywhere from a 10 to 25-foot drop right outside of the door. Hmm. Um, so more people actually died after the fire by falling um, drunkenly or, like, their horse, like, going off the, the side than died during the actual fire itself. Um, That's wild. Yeah. But, yeah, so the, the game, to get back to that, is, like, you're you're getting resources and you are trying to maximize um, what the city has to offer against the population. So you want to have, like, an even an even set of here's how many people you have in the city versus like how many amenities and stuff like that you have. Um, and there's ways that you can like decrease your population. That isn't necessarily a negative against you. Um, that would then even your stuff out to then like put you in the lead for the game essentially. And each person is basically playing for their own like district of the city. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it seemed neat. It seemed like it might be a little complicated, but like it, it was a cool concept. Um, and then the other like, the big game that they had going on um, was Onslaught, which is an upcoming Dungeons & Dragons-based board game where you're given um, – ver- it's it's all miniatures and it's all painted miniatures, which was – like, they – I think both of you actually came up to the table while we were looking at that. Yeah. Like, those minis were actually, like, really well done. Yeah, oh, I loved them. Um, they were awesome. And the way it plays is it's it's one versus one, and each person controls, like, a party of five. So, like, you have your full party. Um, there's a bunch of different characters you can pick from in the base game, and then they're going to have expansions and additional, like, um, uh, stories, basically, to, like, flesh it out more. Um, that are going to, like, they, they all have a staggered release starting in January when the game comes out. Mm-hmm. And er- early um, bits of the game, like, you might only need three player characters to, to like, win it. 
But, like, by the end, when you're fighting, like, the big dragon they had, you need a full party of five. And it's very much like a, like, an MMO, like, style, um, party build out. Like, you want one tank, one healer, two DPS sort of thing. Or three yeah. DPS. Um, and yeah, it, it seemed like it, like, it could be pretty cool. It's, it's got, it's initiative based from what he was saying. So, you're, you're going to be attacking in turn, like, the same way you would in an actual D&D encounter. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's player versus player trying to, defeat the enemy first um to then like get the spoils okay um it was a little expensive it was i I think it was 150 um but considering you're getting a whole bunch of like fully painted minis with it like i understand why it was that much Mm -hmm. um and then all of the expansions are you know they add new minis new new scenarios all that sort of stuff to it um i'd say if if you're into that stuff it's probably it'll probably be a cool game to check out yeah, I honestly, I always want to get the D and D board games just for the minis. But like, I I I do. There are a bunch of different D and D board games that I do want to get and get and get into. Yeah, yeah. Even at our first or second packs, they had the game Dragonfire that I got, which was like a deck building um um anthology game or or or, or not um like story game that like you you play as the same character every time you play and you get stronger each time and whatnot. Like I've always wanted to play that with a big group because like you need you need you need like four or more people to play it for it to be like worthwhile and like it's a fun game but it's really fucking hard and so like D has a lot of good just board games that like i if they're expensive like you said it's 150 dollars for that one and like most of them are within that line of being that that pricey yeah because a lot of them come with very elaborate boards or or other other things to like lay out the game world Plus, mm-hmm. like, they always come with minis, and some of them are pain and some of them aren't, but, like, they're usually high detail. Yeah. Um, they also, um, the guy did very quickly at the end, I kind of just asked him if he had anything else he wanted to, like, mention or point out, and he kind of, like, nerded out over all their statues and stuff. Like, yeah. he seemed very excited about those, like, in a very, like, authentic way. Uh-huh. It wasn't just a, you should buy this stuff because it's expensive and it'll, I'll, like, it'll, it'll help me. It was, like... Oh no, like this thing's really cool. Like I really like this thing. So WizKid, I believe it's WizKids. I I thought it was Hitpoint Press that had that originally had the Tarasque, but I guess it's WizKids cuz they had the Tarasque there. And their Tarasque is freaking huge and very well detailed. But it's like was it 150, 200 dollars some shit like that. Yeah. Whereas they were showing us this pseudo dragon, which is life-size pseudo dragon. Um it was only about it, it looked like it was more detailed than the the uh the Tarasque, and it was like sixty bucks. And it, it was a hundred. It was ninety nine. Was it a hundred? Okay. And yeah. I, I just still, sat like, there. That was yeah. a that had a, so it was a it was like a curled up dragon. It was like the size of like a young cat, like not quite mm-hmm. a kitten, but like nowhere near fully grown. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, like curled up on itself because it was it was supposed to be like a familiar. Mm-hmm. Um, so like it was life size, but like it's a small dragon, but. Because it was curled up and everything like that, it was meant to, like, sit on a shelf or a cabinet or whatever. Um, but they didn't half-ass it and make the bottom just, like, flat and black. The whole bottom was completely detailed. Yeah. It was painted. It had ridges for, like, like the tail and and the, the talons and everything. Yeah. And, like, when mm-hmm. I, I mentioned this to the guy, and he's like, well, yeah, if you put it on, like, a glass shelf, you, we don't want it to just be, like, boring on the bottom. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and then they also had, um, Cobb, you pointed this out to me, they had the minis from... The Ukatoa special, or the the Mighty Nine special, uh, uh, of Critical Role that had aired the night before. Yeah, 
They also had those cool um, 80s-styled um, statues. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know what those monsters were. You guys might know better. No, but I, like, I, for, I even forget what they were. There was like a devil thing. That's the yeah, probably but like, like a flame giant or some shit like that. Yeah, maybe. They were based on like like the the original D and D art from like the books, and yeah, they looked very cool. Like mm-hmm. you know, they were a little campy and they looked dated, but like in a very cool way. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they have a gelatinous cube plush coming out in March that they. Oh have yeah, there. that thing was actually really cool because you can put stuff in it and then see it inside of it. it. It also comes with like parts of a skeleton and a shield when you buy it. Oh okay, I don't. I think I missed him saying that. I don't know if he said it or not, but I went and looked, and, like, you can pre-order it, and it included those, which they actually were inside the gelatinous cube they had there. I did see the stuff in there, because he did mention, if if you go over and look at it, you can see, like, the, um, like, the, the adventurer that got caught, or I forget exactly how he worded it, but yeah. it was pretty cool. Um, so yeah, like, the, like, their booth actually had some cool stuff. Um, mm-hmm. I had meant to stop back and try and pick up, um, for Onslaught, they had... Like, mini versions. Like, not mini versions, but a mini, like, here's how it's played sort of thing. Where I think it was, like, one scenario, a, a much smaller board, and, like, a couple of minis. Um, to basically give people an idea of, like, what to expect with the full game when it comes out. And I just, I completely forgot to stop back there during the weekend to try mm-hmm. and grab one of those. Um, and then the other thing that Rich, you and I checked out was... um. It's a it's a card it's a one on one card battling game called React from Brother Ming Games. Mm-hmm. Um, it it just went on Kickstarter like mid last week and is already fully funded. Um, that was a pretty cool game. I liked it. Yeah, I liked the concept of it. Was like sort of a, a it was a PvP battle uh, anime inspired battle game um, that like was all original art, all original like everything. It wasn't just like, oh, let's take these anime characters and put them in here. It was like, no, we're going to, like, make up our own anime, basically. Yeah. Uh, like, it was, there was no licensed property. Um, yeah. All of the player characters are themed after, like, different types of artists. So, I think, Rich, you got a dancer and I was a calligrapher. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, every character has, like, a different play style. So, Richie's play style was very movement-oriented. Like, he could move from one end of the board to the other in one turn. Okay. Whereas my character was much more subdued, I couldn't really move much, but I had abilities that could allow me to make other, ca- like the enemy characters basically move towards me, um, or, or corner, or like corner those enemy characters if possible. Um, and I think, what was it? There were four card types to each deck, right? Um, I think there was like six or something like that. Okay. It was a limited amount of, like, like you had a full deck of cards, but it was a limited amount to how many types there were. So you were getting the same card a lot, but, like, those cards were really... They had very specific functions that, if you weren't playing them right, like, you were just doing yourself a disservice. Mm. Like, yeah. it's not one of those games where it need, you need a 60-card deck and every card has to be unique. Um, And then you also had the ability to basically power yourself up um, for at least one turn, depending on, like, if you use the ability right away or not. Mm-hmm. And, like, the the cool thing about this game, like, I've seen a lot of, like, card battler games. I play-tested one last year, and I even, uh, uh, well, not play-tested, but I, I met with guys uh, at Solus who did, um, uh, shit, what's the name of the game? Um, I can't remember, Pocket Paragons. 
And I like I, we talked about that last year, and I even talked with people this year with a similar style where it's like you can all of these characters, like all of these cards in these characters, like you buy the decks separately and then you battle your friends, but you don't intermingle the decks. It's all the decks are all of their own. Whereas with this game, you get it all. Like it's it's not like buying the packs and the decks separately. You get each of the decks when you buy the game. So yeah. like you can. You don't have to wait for your friends to buy the other decks so that you can battle them. You can, you can have, you have them all and you can bring it to your friend's house and play. Yeah. And I guess like just saying it's a card battle game is a little divisive to it because there is more. It's not just, it's not like magic or something like that where you're really just throwing cards mm-hmm. out at each, each other. Um, it like the game does involve like a grid based board. Like yeah. you do have to move it, move your pieces around, summon new pieces. Um, each, each character type has a different way of summoning pieces and a different way of attacking. Mm-hmm. So, um, and the idea is you need to do three damage to your opponent's, like, artist. Um, and your opponent has to do three damage to yeah. you. Yeah. Um, on Kickstarter, they do have two different versions of the game. They have a version that is just like the cards where, like, you get, get, like, the board and everything, but there's no, like, fancy, um, tokens for your characters or anything like that. And then there is the fancy version, which is um, these really nice, like, clear plastic, pe- like, standy pieces that have the artwork on them so you can actually see both sides of them. Mm. And that be- those become what you're moving around the board for, like, your artists and for, like, the minions that they may summon. Yeah, and I think they even said that, like, the game is basically ready to print. They just needed pretty much the pre-orders from the Kickstarter to get it well, going. That and they were apparently, when we saw the game on Friday, they were all very, uh, already very close to hitting some of their stretch goals. Oh, so. Yeah. I'm, I'm actually on their Kickstarter right now. Um, a hundred thousand dollars has, uh, is what they have right now. Uh, 897 backers. Their initial goal was 20,000. That's awesome. Cause like it, it was, and like the, um, Ming, the, the, the guy whose game it is. Um, he made, he made a really good point where he was just like, I wanted to do like an anime themed game, but he didn't want it to be like the stereotypical either licensed property or fan service. Mm-hmm. He wanted the style and like the silly anime bullshit without the, the stupid anime bullshit, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and yeah, like that, I actually, I super enjoyed it and like, I actually intend to back the Kickstarter, um. I have it. I have the tab saved on my phone, so I can do it in the next like week or so. Yeah, um, uh, I, 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 I might, I might back it because um, I, I, I really liked it too, and so I might. Uh, I, I'd really want to. I'm really thinking of backing it. Uh, it was a fun. I, I just, I loved the art. Like, if you have a really cool or unique art style in your game, you are going to sucker me in so fast. Uh, but Drew, how about you? Anything from Friday that jumped out or anything? Well, so Friday, most of my time was spent at the two McElroy panels. Uh, they did the opening keynote panel, was all three of them. Uh, Griffin and Travis in the building. Justin was there over, uh, over the internet because his wife had work, so he could not leave their kids. Um, that was just, you know, your kind of standard, hey, this is how we got into doing this stuff with our dad and making one of the biggest D&D podcasts out there. And then their Q, or actually, I'm wrong. Most of more of that was in their Q&A. 
they also didn't really know what else to do. So like they spent the first few minutes, hey, we did this. Then they were like, we came up with t- 20 things. We're going to roll a d20. And here's the thing we got to fucking talk about for three minutes. And it went from simple, like at the low end or high end, like with a 20 of like, yeah, talk about how we got into this making podcast to on if closer to one where things like what's a secret you've kept from dad or explain the complicated uh political landscape that led to world war one or the differences between the naruto anime and manga so it was really funny and random you got the like hey here's how we did the things and what we would do also i don't know here's things about world war one and then later they like Oh, that seems like it. Like they just had fun with it. Yeah, absolutely. Apparently, they figured out that like eighteen hours before the panel was supposed to start. So, like the night before. Uh, yeah, that's. I mean, that's that's classic scheduling right there. Oh yeah. Oh shit! We have this thing we have to do tomorrow. What do we do? All right, let's come up with twenty things and roll a d twenty because Dungeons and Dragons. And then they had uh, a Q and A. What was later. the other one? Uh, just a Q and A where. At least for this, they took all the questions beforehand, apparently, on Twitter, and, like, just had their moderator who just ran through how many ever questions they could get through in an hour. Well, that's actually, you know, I feel like that is a... I'm sure people in the audience were bummed if they weren't, like, doing, like, live questions, Mm -hmm. but that is such a better way to just, like, get through questions and not have people, like stumbling up to a microphone and like rambling for minutes at a time yeah and i get it like people mm -hmm. like people want to have that moment with like the person they're a fan of but like going up there and explaining to somebody why you're a fan of them and then asking them a question like they get it they understand you're a fan you're you're at the panel (laughs) yeah i it was like my worst experience ever with a fan panel was when we got that uh uh stan lee we all we all went to Baltimore Comic Con, or most of us went to Baltimore Comic Con, and we got like the Stanley like first in line, first in row, like uh, tickets and whatnot. And the panel for the Stanley panel was it was just a Q and A. And like, look, I know you love Stanley. I know we all love Stanley. Everyone went up. Oh my God, I love you so much. I love you. I love you. And it's like, okay, get to the question. Well, I don't have a question. I just. You saved my life. And it's like, alright, we know this. Like, I don't want to be insensitive, but, like, we're at a Q&A panel. And this is why I don't like Q&A panels. It's just like, ask him the question. Like, just ask the question. And it's just, the, the Q&A panels are just, in my opinion, so boring. That one, though, Drew, that you went to, seems well done. Because it's like, alright, we pull the questions from the audience online. And we just mm-hmm. ask those questions. And, like, they kept it moving, and it was a good mix of, like, legit uh, questions about D&D or whatever, and then also, like, off-the-wall weird questions. Mm-hmm. So. Which, like, those are always fun. Mm-hmm. And, Richie, to, just to, to to what you were saying about Q&As, Q, like, it definitely depends on who the person is that the Q&A is for. Like, I've... I've been to plenty that are exactly like that Stan Lee one where it's just people get up there and they ramble for too long and then they don't really have like a real question. Um, so they just ask something kind of like just random spur of the moment. And like I've been to other ones where like, like I at, um, shit, what was that convention that was in Philly? Fan Expo? Uh, yeah. Probably. Yeah. Um, 
I went to two there. Um, one of them was uh, Monica Ryle, who she's the current voice of Bulma, and she's done all sorts of other voices. Okay. Um, and, like, hers was really good, because it's, like, it wasn't, like, a packed room of people that just wanted to be, like, fanning over her. Um, so people were, like, asking, like, legitimate questions about, like, what it's like to, like, be, like, a director for voice acting, and, like, what was it? Oh, she's also the voice of Fropy in My Hero. And then does, um, she does, uh, dir- like, she's also one of the directors. So, like, they were asking her questions, like, what was it like directing the movie while also having to record for one of the movies? So, like, it was, like, legit questions about, like, voice acting and, like, what she does. Yeah. Um, and then at New York Comic Con, when I went to the, the Brandon Sanderson, um, Q&A, like, that was a lot of, like, people, like, getting up there and, like, asking him legitimate questions about, like, his work. Mm-hmm. Like, it wasn't just, like, oh, man, like, you're... Some people dig up there and, like, do the, the you know, your books mean so much to me. Like, they helped me through, like, a tough time. Um, but he was kind of, like, he got up there and, like, before it even started, he's just like, look, we're going to do this. Like, let's get as many of these through as we can. Like, <laughs> if if you have a question I can't answer, I'm just going to tell you right away that, like, I can't answer it. Um, so I feel like that kind of, like, reined people in and had them asking a little bit more, like, specific questions for him, which was cool. But uh, other than the Paddle and Strew, did you see anything else or do anything else on Friday? Uh, Friday, I played one game of Blood on the Clock Tower. I played a game of, um, God, what are the three? What is the not trouble brewing or sex and violence script? I forget what the third script is, but I played a game of that. I was a traveler. I was a judge. I didn't get to use my power before I got exiled because at a certain point, the it was an 18-person game. Damn. And at one point they were like, wait, we should just exile the travelers because their abilities could just fuck everything up. And so they exiled the other one and then they voted to exile me. And I was like, I could probably make an argument for my ability because I was an evil judge. So I kind of really wanted to use it. But uh, the judge's ability, they get to just make a vote for execution pass and that's it. Day's over. Oh, that's fun. So like. I fucked up by not asking the demon who the minions were on the first day, because I could have really made a day really fuck the good team, but because <laughs> I found out an outsider, and we had uh, a godfather on the team who, if an outsider gets executed, they get to then kill in the night, so we could have had a night with, like, six kills, or a day, and then the night with, like, five or six kills, if I had remembered and found out who the minions were and been like oh what minion are you godfather okay i know an outsider you nominate them i'll make it happen but never got got to use it uh and that was like most of my friday because that game took like two hours yeah that seems like it with that many people that seems like it would have been a long one it was a lot of fun though well that's good i mean that's what's important Mm um rich anything else that from friday you want to mention no not not really i didn't really see any like i got my um my 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 mystery box that i do every year uh got a few inter- i got what was that game like the the game of vaccines it's a card game uh that you're supposed to give to a child when they get their vaccines i don't know it's dumb i haven't really opened it up yet but yeah it, it's it, again it was like this year there wasn't really that hot topic item to actually like check out it was it seemed a lot more chilled out to where friday just was like each day kind of just was like all right i'm here all right i'm done pretty quick all right well in that case saturday 
Uh, Drew, um, other than Thirsty Dice, did you get up to anything fun on Saturday? Uh, honestly, Saturday, I think Thirsty Dice was pretty much all I did. Other, like, we poked around, looked at different booths for, uh, like, dice and whatnot, but didn't really play anything. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, well, Rich and I went to the Forever Stoked Creative booth. Yes. Um, and they kind of did, like, a, a whirlwind of demos. Um, for, yeah. So, I, I wrote down all the games that they, that they showed us. Um, they showed us a game called Kumite, I believe is how you would pronounce it. Uh, that was the, the one-on-one, like, card battle game that was, um, it was, like, color-based. And depending on, like, what color you threw out, um, would depend on whether you won or lost. And it was kind of like a circular, like, this color beat this color, but this color beat that one sort of deal. Oh, was that, I guess that was the one that I didn't play. Yeah, right, so yeah, yeah. Didn't... I didn't, I didn't really, uh, I couldn't really hear much about that game. Uh, the, the cards looked cool, but, like, I couldn't really hear much about it. Super crowded on Saturday. Um, but, yeah, uh, that... yeah, that was the one I set out on and let you guys all try out and play. Well, so, no one actually, we didn't actually play that game. They just kind of, like, like, were showing us, like, the mechanics for it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was basically, um, you had, you had four cards in the center. And each of those had, like, a, a primary color, and then it had, like, arrows that went um, clockwise around it that circled back to that primary single color. Um, and then there were two other spots on there that had two colors stacked on each other. And I think the, the card that they demoed with, like, the main color was red, and then there was a yellow and blue, and then, like, a green and something else. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was basically, if somebody threw a red down... Um, they would have won that spot, um, cause red was the main card. Um, but if somebody were to throw a yellow and then somebody else threw the green because green was like the spot after yellow, the yellow would have won. Um, there was more to it than that, but like that was like the general like game flow. Um, it was, it was interesting though. Um, that was one of those ones where they didn't really like, we didn't really get to demo demo that one. Um, but it, it was, it seemed like it, it had an interesting concept to it. Um, and then they showed us Master Dater, the Cyanide and Happiness game. Yes, yeah. Which, that, I mean, that was a lot like any of the, like, Red Flags or any of those other, like, one person is kind of the picker, and then, like, everyone else is trying to, like, present them with, like, the funniest option, essentially. Yeah, and it's just, it's in line with, like, all of those, like, kind of social games where you need to know the person you're playing against in order to win. Yeah, and so, like, being that, like, it was just a bunch of strangers... It was one of those where, like, you you were kind of playing to yourself more than anything, yeah. and just hoping that the other person had a similar sense of humor. Yeah. Like it was, it was silly for sure. But I was just like, I was like, hmm, I don't know. I I I probably wouldn't play this game more than it. Yeah, like with the right group of people, just like red flags. Like with the right group of people, it's fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and in this case, it was like the person doing the choosing picks three like cards that basically describe the type of person they're looking for. And it's like, it seems like it's all kind of negative qualities in one way or another. Um, and then the people that are trying to, like, get picked, they have three head cards in their hand and four body cards. And they're basically putting one of each down together and explaining why that combination makes their perfect match. Mm-hmm. So, like, I think at one point I had, um, I had a, a bird impersonator, which was literally like a guy impersonating a bird. That was the head. Um, and then the body was a mummy. Mm-hmm. Um, and that person was into like littering, 
free stuff and true crime podcasts. <laughs> um, and like, I think the person that ended up winning was, um, some, one of like the, the people doing like the demo, um, put down, um, like a stay at home mom and an anime body pillow as the body. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, yeah, no, that's just funny. Like, like the, the stay at home mom definitely gets the, uh, the true crime thing. And what does a body pillow care about littering and free stuff? Mm-hmm. Um, and then they showed us a game that would be terrible to play with you, Drew. Um, <laughs> it's everyone else thinks this game is awesome. Um, it's a, it's a science game where the, the girl said they were apparently very hard science questions. The sample they gave us was a very simple science question. And so, I don't know if that was intentional. The, the easiest way to explain this game. Have you ever played Fibbage from the Jackbox? Okay. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that game. Yeah. So, basically, this game is science-based trivia questions in several different categories of science. Um, and you're, you have to write down the answer. If you don't know the answer, you have to make it up and then pretty much convince people that you're right. But without actually showing your answer up front, like, you kind of do a, um, it's, it's got, like, a poker mechanic, for lack of a better way to describe it. Like, mm-hmm. you kind of do, like, a blind bet, and then you do a second blind bet where you look at, like, what everyone else bet, essentially, and decide whether you want to double down on your own answer yeah. or go in where you think everybody got it right. Yeah, so you have to, you have to, you, you write down your answer, you put it down face down, and then you bet on the confidence of your own answer up to two tokens so if you're super confident you got it right you put two tokens down and then you bet on who you think got it right so you could put one up to two tokens in total on other people's answer and you if you got it right you get your two token points if uh you guessed wrong Outside, you lose those points. If you guess, it's it's very much like you're trying to make people think you're right while also maybe being wrong so that you know who is going to be right. And get, it's weird, but it's very interesting. That's a little bit like uh, there's a game called Wits and Wagers, which is a trivia game, but it's all number-based. Like, all the answers are n- numerical. Like, mm-hmm. it'll be a year or whatever. And everyone writes down their answer, puts them down, and then it goes from, like, in order of the numbers put out, and you have to bet on which one is right, and depending how far away from the middle number, basically, it is, it's worth more. But it's not explicitly about knowing the thing, it's about knowing who knows the thing. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's weird, but, yeah. Um, I Like, that game seemed like it could be fine, but, like, also, like, I could see people just getting very aggressive with it. Um, and Drew, Drew would just know all the answers, so it, it would be less fun because you just always bet that Drew got it right. Hey. Or, or he could be, he could throw it on purpose. Have you mm. ever played a tri- trivia game with Drew? He is incapable of throwing it. If he knows the answer, he has to answer it. But, but this but... game isn't about <laughs> getting it right. This game is about knowing who else is getting it right. It, exactly. Like, there's I mean, no fair. bidding. In Jeopardy, there's no bidding on things and forcing other people to like fuck up because they thought I was going to be right and going, Oh no, it wasn't RNA. Fuck. Who knew it was <laughs> DNA the whole time. It was oh. me, Dio the whole time. 
but yeah, so there, there was that game. Um, they showed us a wrestling themed game that I don't mm-hmm. think I got a name for. And it, the uh, game wasn't finished. Um, it's, it's, it's gonna be another Cyanide Happiness game. Um, yeah, but like, yeah, they it was basically not, a prototype. Yeah, they, 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 uh, they, they didn't have any art or anything like that. All the cards were the same in each deck. Um, but it is, it is wrestling themed and it, it seemed interesting. It's like, uh, pretty much the way they explained it was, it's not the fight. It's the preamble to the fight. No, no, it's the 10 seconds you're allowed to be outside of the ring before you get disqualified. Mm. So it's like when somebody like jumps out of the ring or gets knocked out of the ring and they're on like uh, walking around it, like trash talking and like picking up like a steel chair and like hitting the, the ring apron with it and stuff like that. That's, that's the concept of the game. And so you have your deck and you're trying to Play cards to equal 10,000, because that would be your 10 count. Um, if you go over, you're disqualified, you're out of the game. Um, so like you have to, and it's not like, like, it's not like who's the closest without going over. It's like the first person to get 10,000, that's the winner. Um, and you have different things like, like weapons and, um, I can't think of the words, like, like the, like back talk and shit like that. Um, and it's, if, so like if, if Richie and I are playing, and I play a card in a, in the weapon spot, and it's worth 5,000 points, but then Richie plays a weapon that's worth 6,000 points, he actually knocks my weapon off the board. Yeah. So I okay. am, so I lose those 5,000, and I have to start again. Um, there are ways to, like, play cards and not have them get lost like that, uh, yeah, but generally, so if, a higher card knocks out a lower card. So if, if, uh, I played the 6,000, card first and then Cobb played the five thousand, he still has his five thousand and I still have my six thousand. It doesn't knock it out. He can play it after. But if anybody after that plays a seven thousand, it knocks out all of the lower numbers. Yeah, and um ties okay. both just stay on the board. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It it actually seemed like it could be cool. Um I think they said it would be out um sometime late next year. Or it might uh, like it might go into production late next year because they are still they're still finalizing the like the verbiage on the cards, and they have to do the artwork and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but like interesting concept. Like I'd be interested to see if they have it next year. What like the final game looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the last thing they showed us was probably my favorite thing. Well, the last thing they showed us that we can talk about. They did show us one thing that we can't talk about yet. Yes. Um, but the last thing they showed us that like I legitimately thought was pretty cool was um, it's called Made Up Movies. Um, so this was. One person is pitching the reboot of a movie, and the other players are playing um, Hollywood executives, um, basically interrogating them why their movie should be made. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the way it works is you're, you're picking a bu- like the the person pitching the movie is picking a bunch of cards and basically assembling a random movie reboot. So the the guy that was demoing it when we got up there, he had picked um, the the movie he was rebooting was Speed. The starring actors were going to be Oprah Winfrey and Samuel L. Jackson. Um, I have to sneeze. I apologize. All right. I think I'm good. Um, so Oprah Winfrey, Samuel L. Jackson. I believe it was supposed to be a, like the genre was sports movie. Right, Rich? Um, I, th- I, I can't remember. And then there, the last two things were like films it was going to be similar to. And he had picked, um, Bridesmaids and My Big Fat Greek Wedding. And, Everyone else that was playing had, um, I think three cards of things they could ask and that that person had to then like defend. Um, 
I think the best one was the guy who read his card incorrectly. So, um, one of the guys, um, his card was, you know, why, do, why does this ne- movie need to be remade? And then it had a second paragraph of, but keep starting over, basically. It, there was more to it than that. And the guy that was playing that card thought it meant for him that he was supposed to, like, continuously interrupt the guy and re-ask his question. <laughs> um, and he got super into it, like, in, like, a fun way. And even the, the people demoing the game, who the, the one, the guy demoing it was the creator of the game, um, was like laughing. And at the end, he's like, I knew you read that card wrong, but that was just a lot of fun. So I just let it keep going. Um, so like there is that little bit of like almost like emergent gameplay. Mm-hmm. And yeah, like I thought like that game seemed like it could have been fun. Yeah. They unfortunately didn't have it to buy there. Um, like I think it, they, it just started shipping, um, and has not actually gotten to the US yet. <laughs> Yeah, they they don't have like it's still. I think they even said like it's stuck on a boat somewhere. Yeah, but it it's a, it was a neat concept, especially for like one of those like sort of quick party game sort of things. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, I I skipped one on this list. They also showed us Team Three, which was that weird like Tetris block game. Yeah. Um, I could never play that game with anybody. I would lose my fucking mind trying to describe in with like hand signals how to like put together these three fucking blocks. Based on like what a card is telling me. Well, play better with other people. No, that that game looked utterly infuriating. You need you need you need more more um more um better communications. More better. More better. Look, <laughs> this, this look. This man was a communications major. I meant I I wasn't sure what I was trying to say, and then when I was like, you need more communication skills. That wasn't really what it was. Needed. No wonder it took you four years to get your two-year degree. <laughs> no, it, it actually only took four years to get my two-year degree because I changed my major three years. <laughs> um, but yeah, that game. I I feel like that's just one of those games where like people would just end up getting frustrated because like the one the one block looked like a three, but also like didn't. And like trying to explain how to like put them together, like no one's going to have have the patience for that. I mean, I'm sure a lot of people have the patience i've played more infuriating games trust me like that game seems silly and you don't like silly so i like silly i don't like that kind of silly you don't like it when people make fools out of themselves no i love when people make fools out of themselves you don't want to make a fool out of yourself yeah no that exactly make a fool out of yourself have some fun for once cop i have fun plenty do you though sure um so what did you guys think of thirsty dice which for anyone not sure is a it's like a board game cafe in Philadelphia. Um so like they have food and drinks, um alcoholic and non-alcoholic and like a a, a pretty sizable like board game collection. Mhm. I th- I thought it was neat. I thought it was a neat place. Um yeah. it, it it was it, it ha- it's a very cool concept. Like it's cafe, it's got alcohol, it's got food, it's got a lot of food and a lot of options, uh, which is nice. Um I, I Unfortunately, it seemed like they had a little bit of communication errors with, like, reservation timing and things like that with us, but it's not a big deal. Like, I'm not going to fault them for that. I'm not going to deduct a score on them for that. I mean, honestly, that is Drew's fault. Let's just... Alright, I will take blame, but also, I don't think it is also the restaurant's fault, because it was a, like, separate PR team, so I don't know that they knew... I I don't know if the, the... I'd imagine the break for between brunch and the regular menu is standard, but I don't know that that PR team knew that. 
Yeah. yeah they had they had a fairly small kitchen. Um, yeah. Because, like, like, I mean, it's in Philadelphia. They actually had a pretty, like, they had a decent size, like, building to work yeah. with. But, like, because of that, like, they definitely went on, like, the smaller side for, like, a kitchen space so that they could fit more tables, more people, all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I have to imagine that, that hour break between food, which is super common at restaurants, like, a lot of places just close. Yeah. yeah. Like, they close at three, they reopen at four sort of deal. Mm-hmm. Um, but they probably do that place, so that. Since this place isn't strictly just food, it's a cafe, they're able to stay open because they have the bar and cafe and, and, and coffee and whatnot. Yeah, you available. can get drinks and all that stuff. And like, you yeah. can still play games. Um, it, from, from what I read and from what I was hearing them say, like, um, the way it works is like, you basically like book like time. So mm-hmm. like, it's like $5 a person for like two hours. Yeah. That's, that's the one thing I think is pretty wild. It's $5 per person. To, to play the games. Like, you could go there and not play the games. And just be going there for food and drinks. you could go there and drinks. bring your own games. You could go there and bring your own games. But it's like $5 per person uh, to, to for two hours. So if you have a group of five, it's costing you $25 just to check out the games. But, which... like, so if you think about it, that's... Yeah, if you're playing, like, a very long-form game, like, yeah, like, that maybe isn't the best deal. But... For them as a business, if we were to go in there and just order coffees and then play a game for three hours, like, we're literally just taking up a, a table and they're not making any money off of it. Well, yeah, so at I, least... Yeah, and, like, I trust me, I know, but, like, I I, I wouldn't... It's the per person that is really more the wild thing. Like, if if it were, like, and, and I know this sounds dumb, like, if it were, like, $15 per table instead of $5 per person... To me, that would seem a little bit more reasonable. Or if it was $5 per hour per table instead of $5 per two hours per person. Cause like, yeah, I could end up sitting there for six, six plus hours and that's costing me, uh, say, say, well, like say me and a date go there and we go there for like three or four hours. That's costing, uh, it's costing 40 bucks just to be there. For well, that's four your fault hours. for taking a date someplace like that. That's a date place. That's a hundred percent a date place. I mean, that depends um, if your date wants to play board games. Or- most, yeah. <laughs> most most dates want to play board. Or, or I, I, a lot of people I talk to nowadays are down for games. Trust me. I mean, that's true. But like, that also seems like one of those like, um, like if you're gonna play board games, like go get a bite to eat and then like go back to your place and play board games. I, it's, it's, this is, it's a different. It would be. You can't, no, you can't do that when it's like a first date. This is like, oh, let's go out on, let's, let's have a nice date. Let's go get drinks, have a couple of drinks out somewhere, play some board games, hang out, get to know each other. Like that, that is, like that situ, that, that, like cafe type style, it is very good conducive, like social setting to be meeting or hanging out with new people and whatnot. It is a very good social setting for that stuff. And, I mean, that and, is true. And, and, like, it works. But it, again, it's just, like, the idea of per person per X amount of time, like, it just, it, it, it does, it does feel a little much. I'm not, see, like... That, that doesn't bother me at all. Like, $5 for two hours seems totally reasonable. Like, like, arcades are, like, going to an arcade is more expensive than that. And, like, it's not like they had nothing but old, shitty games. Yeah. Like... They had a lot of, mo- like, newer games. Mm-hmm. Um, 
they were in good shape from what we could see. Mm-hmm. Um, like the staff was was fairly attentive. Um, like the like the the first girl that was kind of waiting on us like came by like to like basically let us know multiple times that like hey like the kitchen will be opening soon like sorry for like the miscommunication sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, the girl that ended up like like closing out our tab was like super excited about everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and seemed to really enjoy her job. Yeah, and like I don't know I. I think the the only downside for for me was we were in a position where we had too many people for most board games. Yeah. Yeah. Um but like that was just one of those it's like we probably wouldn't have played anything too crazy if we had less people anyway. Mm-hmm. And well, I always forget the name of that game. Drew. What, what was the game we played? Soro. T S U R O. That is like one of those like perfect like larger group like quick games that you can just do a bunch of rounds very quickly. It's super easy to learn. You don't have to spend 20 minutes explaining the rules to anybody. Like, mm-hmm. within one round, everybody understands how the game works. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, how was the food? I, I didn't eat anything. Um, I was going to just eat a slice of pizza, and then it came out with balsamic on there, and fuck that. Um, Man, obviously the pizza was good. Like, you should have okay. had it. Like, I, balsamic actually, like, it actually makes my stomach, like, turn. Like, I cannot stand balsamic dressing. Something wrong with you. It's, Slave it's most, your wife. She chose it. <laughs> it's most vinegar. So I love margarita pizza. Most margarita pizza that I have. Yeah, I've that was that was balsamic, on yeah. there. No. balsamic and pesto. That was not a margarita Which, pizza. I'm down for the pesto. Um, it was just the balsamic dressing on but there. It's, they sh- they shouldn't have called it a margarita. It was not a margarita pizza. Yeah, I mean, I'm just I'm impressed to know that it wasn't bad. Um, just. I saw that it was, like, pre-frozen dough, and, like, that's always very hit or miss. Um, but, like, it looked like it was well-cooked at the very mm-hmm. least. Yeah. So, like... Yeah. I'd... And, like, how, how were, like, the burgers and, and sandwiches and stuff? Because I know, like, Drew, you got, like, some sort of, like, hot chicken sandwich, I believe. Yeah, that was really good. Mm-hmm. Like, juicy, not too spicy, but spicy enough. Nice. Did the two friends that you brought, did, did they enjoy the food? Yeah. Yeah. I know the one girl seemed to enjoy the nachos. I don't know yeah. about the other one. Yeah, no, she, uh, the other one liked the cheesesteak, but just the roll was, she can't it was do a lot of roll. carbs too much, and she saved the space for the, the pizza. So. Right. Yeah, I mean, my chai, um, tea, coffee drink was very good. I, I, um, I, I got it like a pomegranate, uh, boozy drink, and it was really good, but like, I couldn't finish it, and I was like, man, you know, I probably should have gotten a coffee drink instead of a boozy drink. But, like, it was very good. Very tasty. Um, but I ended up, like, just... I nursing that thing for, what, the hour and a half, two hours that we were there? Mm-hmm. And how were yeah, your Yeah, we were fries? there for, like, two, two and a half hours, actually. I, the fries were... The fries were good. The, um... They... they the fries themselves were just kind of generic, but, like, the topping and everything for them were... At, like, made it a little bit better. Like, for the most part, they were just... They were fries. Like, it's... It's hard to go wrong with fries. Dude, that is not true. So the fact that they were decent fries, fucking awesome. I mean, um, I've never had bad fries. Oh, I have. Like when they're and like to be fair, like nine times out of ten, the bad fries are like like takeout fries that are like delivered, and by the time you get them, they're cold and soggy and just like depressing. But like fair. there are a few places where like I do not care for their French fries. Um, like actually, there's that place in I guess it's technically Haddon Township, um, Brico. It's right near um that cheesesteak place. Oh, uh-huh. uh, I just I don't like Brico at all. I like their sandwiches a lot. Um, their French fries, which come with all their sandwiches, 
I'm fine just never having those. I I got uh, the, and it's like I got a pizza from them once, and it was honestly the worst pizza. I was it a gluten free pizza or well, yeah was this before you were gluten free? No, it was gluten free pizza, but it was the worst gluten free pizza. I ever. That's fair. Um, I I have never gotten but, their pizza. Their but, sa- their I've gotten three of their sandwiches, and they do um I don't remember what they're called, but they're basically like. This is going to sound like such a stupid fucking thing. They're essentially like an open-faced calzone. Mm-hmm. Okay. Which I realized that's, that's just... That's the fuck just... a pizza? <laughs> but that's, it... why I was gonna... that's what I was saying. Like, this is going to sound fucking stupid. But it's not a pizza, but it's it's an, op- like, it's an open-faced calzone is the best way I can describe yeah. it. Like, um, But also, <laughs> the, the pizza was the worst pizza I ever had, but it was the best gluten-free crust I ever had. Which talks a lot about their pizza. And gluten-free crust. Yeah. Um... But yeah, I I did um I did think that Thirsty Dice was was cool. Like I would definitely yeah. go there again. I think the the only downside is they're just far enough away from like like where where I usually am in the city to make it like just like oh yeah you know what like like we're we're here right now let's like walk over to Thirsty Dice and like mm-hmm. get like some food and like play some board games. Like it's definitely uh okay this is where we're going so let's like either head in that direction early or like grab an Uber. Yeah, mm. yeah. Oh. It's it's not it's not super easy to get to from Jersey. Like it's not far from the Broad Street line. It's like two blocks or like five blocks. Let's see, so like three blocks from the Broad Street line. I'm actually looking at it right now. Like six, according to Google, six blocks. Um, or something like that. I don't yeah. know. It was a. It Google Maps had it averaged at about a twenty-five to thirty-minute walk from. The convention yeah. center, and that—that that was the corner of Broad and Arch. So, like, if you were to leave from Ferry Ave Station, it would take about a half hour to get, like, using just public transit. You'd have to go take the Paco, and then you'd have to take the Broad Street line down, right? And then walk five, six minutes. So it's like it's not—it's not in a bad area. It's not uh too. It didn't seem too crowded around there, or too like uncomfortable it's, to be around. It's definitely like, on the precipice of where Philly gets rough. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like it—it was—it wasn't quite there. Like it was definitely like there were people on the street walking, and like yeah. those were like the nicer like row home areas mm-hmm. of Philly. Like those houses were probably worth more than you'd expect them to be. Oh, yeah. for sure. <laughs> um, but yeah, like that is definitely one of those things where, like, like if everyone wanted to, and like, like we planned ahead, like I'd I'd go over over there again, preferably like when it wasn't you know rainy and kind of miserable out, um, just mm. so it's a little bit like less awful to yeah. get to. Yeah, but like it, Saturday as a whole was just a very miserable day in the city, and dude, then like there was leaving a... that convention center after um like to we we ran across the street to Reading Terminal like. Fairly, like, early. Like, I think it was after... It was before we went to see React. Or no, that React was on Friday. No, it was... Uh, you, you went you went before we... You went, like, two hours before we went to Thirsty Dice. Right, so it was shortly after Forever Stoked, then. Yeah, it was and after Forever Stoked. it was so hot in the convention center that, like, I just... I, I just went outside, and I'm just like, Oh, look, it's raining. This feels wonderful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Like we were, I didn't even necessarily want to go to Reading Terminal. I just wanted to get outside for ten minutes. And after we bought our juice, we went back outside and stood where like the um the skywalk is, and just like drank the juice outside for like a few minutes just to like cool off and not be in that fucking yeah crowded hot ass convention center floor. Yeah, mm-hmm. 
And it was just, it's just the humidity, like the rain just made it so bad because then everyone was going to the convention and everyone was wet and then it was increasing the humidity. And that's why I just, when it rains with a convention, it's just always a bad day. Yeah. And there was, I don't know if either of you got to see it. There was like a random Christmas parade on Market Street at night. I mean, they had Christmas Village going on. So like, it kind of makes sense that like there was the Santa trains and Christmas Village and all that, that, like, man, that was wild. We we had to just, like, at one point, we said to our Uber driver, yeah, this is close enough. Um, sorry, guy. And then just left, basically. Well, because, and he realized that he wasn't going to be able to turn on 12th. Yeah. Um, but yeah, because, like, we left, we went back into the convention center after that, saw that they had sold out of all of the, um, the mystery boxes. Mm-hmm. And then, like, we kind of wandered for a few minutes and decided to head out. Yeah. And we happened to get to 8th and Market, as the like as the Santa like fire truck basically was like driving by, yeah. and we ended up just hanging out there watching the parade for like another like fifteen minutes. Yeah, like I, it was a legitimate parade. Mm-hmm. I I uh, I left as soon as we were done at Thirsty Dice because it's just like I don't have a reason to go back inside, and it was so uncomfortable inside. I don't want to go back in. So I was just like, guys, I'm leaving. Bye. Uh, or I I have no panels or anything. I have no other meetings and. I did everything I needed to do, so I had left. And it was like it was like four thirty, five o'clock at that point yeah, too. Yeah, it was like time to leave, or around time that I'd normally leave packs anyway. Yeah. Um. So I guess um because we're running out of time for Richie to get to his I, stream, it's fine. <laughs> I'm just giving you a hard time, man. Um. How was Sunday for you guys? Sunday was better than Saturday for sure. Um. It was more I, comfortable. It was more comfortable. Yeah. It was less crowded. Um. God damn, dog, that fart smells bad. <laughs> um, I'm going chase for what you did. Uh, I actually got to talk to, um, what is, where's my game at? Uh, inside, uh, inside up games. It's, it, they were somebody I talked to last year that, like, we were actually supposed to get some games from them last year, but they had sold out of a lot of games or were running close to selling out of a lot of games last year that they were like, we'll email you and we'll send you what we can afterwards and whatnot. Uh, they never did, which is fine. I'm not mad. It, it happens. But uh, I, I hung out at that table for a bit, checked out their game, um, uh, uh, City Builder, which is, it's basically Carcassonne, but you each build your own city instead of one large connected city. Um, okay. So, like, in, if you've never played Carcassonne, you connect uh, tiles and uh, to make, like, cities or little, uh, like farming areas and whatnot and then you can use your little meeple to mark that like you own the city or that you get the points for the city and whatnot uh this one you each are pulling tiles from the center and the competitive way to play is you're making your own city not connected not a connected city there is a co-op way to play where like there is a connected all together all in one city but like there's a competitive where it's just like you're making your own city and trying to pull points that way, which was pretty cool. Um, I then also finally, because we didn't even really get to talk about it last year because they didn't have any left, um, they have a game called Seven Souls, which I initially thought because there was a lot of like, I don't know, octopus uh, tentacles on there that I thought it was like a, a pirate game. No, it's a Lovecraftian game. Where you play as a Lovecraftian god trying to collect souls and have more souls than the other Lovecraftian gods. Um, and it was a okay. really, 
really fun, pretty simple, easy concept. Up to like six players. It was really, really quick, pretty easy. I really enjoyed it. Um, so I ended up buying it. Uh, it was also, it, because it was Sunday, they were trying to get rid of as much stock as possible. So that it was like five bucks off. So it was like $35. Um, then there was uh, another game. I can't remember the name of it, but it was like a a card battler with dice. So like you battle. It's a one. It's it, it's similar to like what I was saying with with um uh, uh that other card game, Pocket Paragons, where it's like you each have to buy your own decks before you battle, and each deck plays differently. And like instead of your attack power being determined just by the cards you have played, you play the cards. And then you roll the dice, and that's your attack power. So it was, like, a different concept on the card battle system. Um, but, like, it, what turned me away was, oh, you have to buy each deck separately. And so I'm like, I'm not going to buy 13 or, or 5 or 6 decks and then never get to play this game against other people. Um, and then the last game that I really, like, looked at, which I also bought, uh, we had actually seen this on Saturday, I believe. Um, but I decided oh, not to right, buy right. it. Yeah, I decided not to buy it till Friday. It was, it's, it, it's a mob style game called, um, The Big Shuffle. And basically, like, they, they explained it a little bit different than, than the way I'm gonna explain it. I'm just giving, like, a basic gist of it. It's reverse clue, where you're more so trying to, in, in a sense, frame somebody for an act of potential murder than trying to solve the, the crime. So each player gets a, a card that shows what they need the center to look like. And so you're trying to play your cards in a sense that, like, makes, that moves things around to where the center looks the way it's supposed to look. Um, and you're all different archetypes of mobsters. Like, 1920s mobsters, New York mobsters and stuff. And, like, the main reason I bought this game was because the booth was super charismatic. They were playing the part. They were playing the, they really the, were. the mob role. Like, they were selling you on it. And so I was like, on Saturday, I was like, I'll come back tomorrow and I'll buy it, I promise. And I showed up, and I was like, you know what? Fine. Like, I, I decided, after getting Seven Souls, I was like, alright, let's go get the mob game. Sure. And I went and I bought that, and I'm excited to try it out. It's very neat. I got the expansions where one of them is like, the mistress, who is like the head of the the brothels, and then the other one is the vigilante. Um, so like, I'm excited to try that game out. Yeah, that game that did seem actually kind of cool. Yeah. Um, Drew, how about how about you? Anything specific from Sunday? Uh, yeah. So actually, um, Sunday I played. Let me find the picture of the thing. There was a dude in a Phantoms jersey on Friday, and he was there again on Sunday. He might have also been there Saturday, but not wearing a Phantoms jersey, so I didn't notice. Uh, <laughs> but he was there again on Sunday with the Phantoms jersey on, and he had a game called Mobile Frame Zero. It is a Lego-based uh, war game, like Warhammer, that kind of thing, but all using completely customizable things using Legos. And okay. we ran through a quick little demo, you know, it's Depending how many parts your thing has, you roll different amounts of dice. Uh, and every time you take damage, you lose parts from your mech. And, but, like, that's the game. And we played a capture the flag scenario, and there's a countdown timer die that you count down the timer. T uh, he got to the flag, and we had both decided on the, after the first round to take one extra turn off 
and then he got to the flag and then knocked the extra turn off, and so we were done in two turns, but it was more than enough to be like, okay, this game's simple enough to play, and apparently you can download the rules for free as well, and just build your own Lego mechs and play it. Nice. That is actually kind of cool. And, like, it just uses six-sided dice. Probably best to color coordinate them, but really also probably does not matter. But, yeah, it was cool, fast to learn, and was neat. Uh, then I went down to the unpub room and just kind of strolled through there real quick. Uh, most of the games that were there at the time were being played. But there was one person with their game who was not being played at the time, so I sat down and played with him. Uh, it was called Stab Him in the Back. And the premise is that you are, like, basically building, like, a tabloid, or you're trying to build your tabloid out. Uh, you get cards, a hand of cards. Each round, it starts with one person. They play a card that has a type of a thing and a point value and a suit, a, a color. The next person then has to play either something from the same color or the same type of a thing, so a rumor or witnesses that has a higher point value and it goes around till everyone's played as many of the cards as they can um and depending whether or not you actually did play a thing to take uh that was higher up you would move yourself up in the turn order or down if you played something completely off type when it then came to picking the cards and playing the cards to set up the other people's tabloid thing basically and the objective was to wind up with the the thing that had the fewest amount of points in it uh, of the like nine cards that you could have wind up okay. being your thing. And the cards would have different things like if there were multiple of them in a row, the points might go higher or if there were none of them ab above it or if you had no full rows above it, that now was worth zero points. So there was strategy about where you placed the cards when you got the cards. It definitely needed some work, but it was a cool concept, and I could see it being, like, fleshed out more and really uh, dived into being something that is a neat little, like, party starter game that could take, like, 20 minutes to play as you just real quick deal the cards and then kind of, like, hearts play the cards. And, you know, he's still working out exactly how he wants it to play. And there were different power abilities that you could get that didn't really makes sense the way they were and he was like yeah i know i'm still working that out but it could be cool and it'll be interesting to see if he comes back with that because he's just based out of new york oh so it's like fairly local yeah um so that was cool and then i played another i played in a 14 player game of blood on the clock tower to end the night uh that i i was actually a, pl a player not a traveler and it wound up with me and the one other good person alive being sus of each other and getting me killed, which then let had the other good player get killed at night and the game being over. <laughs> Man, so you, you got kicked out of both games. Yeah, but at least I was, like, in the second game, essentially I was alive till the very end. Like, I mean, that's that's fair. Um, and then didn't you and Sarah go see that, um, I, the, the, the bear game? Oh, yes. And then, yes, Outrun the Bear. We spoke with Sam, the creator of that. He had, like, the Kickstarter prototype for the deluxe edition. Um, the, uh, last year when we saw it, all the tokens were just, like, little flat, uh, pictures of the character faces. 
uh, minus the big bear that chases you. That was still a big thing last year. Still a big bear thing. Uh, the deluxe edition has like um, acrylic tokens that are like two sided. Like the front and back are different. So like when you look at the back, it's actually the back of the characters and whatnot. Um, super okay. well done. Super nice art. Uh, and instead of he he changed it so that instead of not seeing the path ahead of you until someone gets there, you just see the path the whole time, and then all the the uh, pieces for the middle sections are double sided, so you can like futz around with the difficulty basically that way, uh, because it could make the bear take more cards depending which side you're using. Um, and he's futz with the rules a little bit, and it played a little better. Uh, and it's super nice. Uh, his Kickstarter got funded in like two days, but they're still taking pre-orders. Uh, Google Outrun the Bear game, and you'll find the links. So, and like he has started his own game publishing company. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, so he's hoping to make this his full-time thing. Good for him. Yeah, it's and always fun. Uh, like I said in the group chat, he was incredibly appreciative of the kind words. And I was incredibly appreciative to hear someone be appreciative of us. Like, that was really cool. Like, mm. oh, hey, it does actually make a difference for some of these people. Yeah, which is awesome. And, like, it seems like, like, he's trying to, like, you know, really make, like, a go of, like, board games, which is awesome. Yeah. And this game's super fun and super cool. Like, Sarek backed the Kickstarter, so I'm looking forward to being able to play that more. Nice. Um... I didn't, we didn't do a ton on Sunday. Um, we did grab a mystery box. Um, the only game we really, we played out of it, um, two, two of the games, I don't have the names in front of me, but they were like, you could just tell they were very long games. And especially like the first few times, they were going to take a very long time to play. Um, and the other game in, like, you had to have like your phones and stuff for it. Like it was an AR game, um, which seemed neat, but like it was just going to be a little bit more cumbersome than we were looking for. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we played um the the last game we got in there, which was Jack or Poi, which is a card based like rock paper scissor game. Um, okay. It was at, once I understood what the fuck they were talking about, it was actually kind of cool. Um, so it does require two different decks of cards for it, which they did give us two. I thought we just had two different like versions of it, not realizing we actually needed both decks to play. Um, oh, okay. But the way it works is you have a deck of a bunch of, like, different types of cards that have, like, different abilities um, and, like, perks and stuff like that. And then you also have your three, your rock, paper, and scissor card. Um, and in your hand, you you always get your, your rock, paper, scissor card. And then you get up to five other ca- cards. So your jack cards are your, your rock, paper, scissor, and then the poi cards are the other ones. Um, you start out by drawing three, and then you get up to five. Um, and you you draw a new card each turn. Um, if you have more than five cards, you have to you discard one of them, and it's like your choice which one you discard. Um, the jack cards, when you play them, they always go back into your hand at the end of the turn, like they're they're infinite. Um, and the way it works is you're basically you're playing the jack cards to try and win like a round of rock paper scissor. If your if your opponent plays one. It's, it, it just terminates like rock, paper, scissor. Um, if you, you know, if you both play the same thing, then you both get what they call, uh, like what's, like a resource basically of whatever that symbol was. And it's all color based too. So like, I think it's like rock was green and paper was red and scissor was blue. Um, 
you get like one of those resources. Um, if you're, if you don't play the same card and, but you each play a jack still, the winner gets a resource and then the loser loses one health and you start with 20 health. Um, and the idea is you want to just whittle the person's health down to nothing. Um, but to like kind of like make it a little more challenging, they add the poi cards, which require some combination of the resources. Some of them, you know, require just like one rock resource. Some of them might require like two rock, a paper, and three scissor. Um, and when you play that card, it might, you know, do five damage to the enemy. Um, but it might also have um, conditions at the bottom where if your enemy plays a jack card that matches that color, um, it might actually swap who the damage is done to. So, like, you play a card and it's going to do five damage to your opponent, but under the blue, it swaps who it goes to. So now your opponent plays their their blue jack card, which, like I said, I think was the scissor, and suddenly you're taking five damage and they're taking no damage. But then they're also getting a resource because of the jack they played. So it's, you know, it, it's got some interesting mechanics to it. Um, it was a fairly quick game, too. I think we... I think by the time, like, we read the rules and, like, figured it out, we probably played around in about 20 minutes or so. Okay. Um, yeah. And, yeah, it's it's quick, um, simple, two-player. Um, and then after that, we went and we saw the game The Shivers from Pop Fiction Games. Mm-hmm. Um, they were very small. It was just a husband and wife. And I don't – they weren't really set up for, like, demos the way, like, a lot of the booths that were reaching out to do that stuff were. Um, the guy just kind of, like, ran us through, like, what the game was about. Um, I thought it was a really cool concept. It's literally, like, a pop-up book game where, like, the, the game board is you open it up and all the pieces, like, pop up like a pop-up book. And then it's, like, a, a murder mystery point-and-click adventure, basically. Mm. Um, and one person is your storyteller. They have sort of a, they have a path that the game is supposed to kind of, like, loosely follow. And they're there to basically, like usher dm the players through to to like a conclusion um rich you made a good point while while we were kind of talking after it the game the game has a limited amount of yeah. playthroughs it, it it has it has a short short shelf life is what i was calling it um because like when you play it is it is, it is a mystery game same as any like escape room when you go to an escape room they tell you at the escape room when you're done this one you can never do it again and it's, I mean, you could always do it again if you wanted to waste your money, but the puzzles don't change. And that's the pro, that's my one problem with this game is, I think the base version was 70 bucks or something like that. 75. 75, and it came with two modules. So you got two clean playthroughs. I thought it was three modules. I, or it might actually, you know, it might have been four. It might have been two cards, and each card has two sides to it. I think that's what so, it is, and then each expansion they had added two more modules to it. And and yeah. they and those were each like thirty dollars a piece or something. Yeah. So like thirty dollars for two clean playthroughs. Like if I'm gonna I, I if I'm gonna spend a, lo- a lot of money on a game, I'm gonna want to be able to play it eat, like a bunch of times. And this game unfortunately doesn't have the replay value because once yeah, you it, do each scenario, you're kind of you're. Yeah, me as, say I play as the DM one day, and then the next time I'm playing as a player, I might not remember everything, or somebody who's playing as a, or like, if I'm playing with a different group, the different group won't know it, remember everything, but like, yeah. it's still, it's like, if you're gonna play with the same group, which generally you will, 
you're only going to get, like, really one or two playthroughs of each scenario out of this game. Like, it is... They did say, though, like, they wanted to make this and gear it more for children. They wanted to play it with their kids. This is definitely a game that you can play a million times with kids. Because kids are stupid. They uh, won't remember yeah, that they so did the, this scenario. But The creators of the game did spend, like, they made these games for their two small, small daughters. Yeah. It does have... It is open enough that, like, adults and stuff like that could have fun with it, too. It's almost in the vein of, like, a legacy game, if you think about it. Mm -hmm. Whereas, like, a legacy game does have, like, the carry-through where, like, you can only play it once because, like, each, like, section of the game you're carrying over the things you did from the previous one. So this doesn't have that, but it does have the, like, it's a one-and-done for the most part unless you are playing, like, the storyteller. Mm -hmm. In which case, like, if you have a different group of people, like, you could keep being the storyteller as many times as you wanted. But you're really only going to be able to play as a player yeah. once or but, twice. And the, the the difference with, say, a legacy game over this game is, say we were to play Pandemic Legacy. Each month, you have three tries to win. So you if you if you fail it, you still can continue playing. So essentially, you could have up to, you could have between 12 and 20 and 36 play sessions of this game and every time you play it affects the game board and changes the game board for the next time even if you right. fail uh whereas this game once you know the solve you know the solve yeah and like i like 75 dollars is a lot it did look like a very quality game as far mm-hmm. as like oh for sure like the 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 quality of the pop-up Big, like like areas and the fa- and, like they were magnetic so like they would they would kind of click together and everything for you like it was a very well made game um and I forget um I forget the name that the guy said but um one of like the designers and or art um people from like the old like um like Lucas Arts Arts games I believe he said is um is one of the people that like worked on the art for this game so it has that like early nineties art like point-and-click adventure art style, and that was sort of, like, what the game was modeled after, is, like, that era of games, which is, like, cool. Like, that it it gives people just... They can kind of do what they want with the game and, like, make it what they will. But yeah. that, that was a lot to put down for a game that, like, yeah, like, if Erica and I play it, then, like, there is no reason for us to play it again with more people because mm-hmm. we just know how to finish the game. Yeah. Like, at that point, it would be, like... All right. Well, one of us just sits out, and the other person is the storyteller, and that's that. Yeah, and like if say you and Erica played it, the next time somebody else, if you're going to play the same scenario you played, the next time say you Cobb were the DM and Erica was the player, then you swap out and have Erica as the DM and you as the player. You might not remember how she came up to things and remembered things and got to things. So, it, it would be a little bit more of a different experience for you to where, like, yeah, you guys could get two playthroughs out of the same module, but that's, it's just, it, yeah, like, it's a really cool concept, it's a really well-built game, it's a very good, like, the, the $75 just on the fact of how high quality the parts were is worth it, but it's just, like, it's also a steep asking price for a game that you can play four times. Yeah, exactly. Um... But that, yeah, that was mostly it for us on Sunday. Um, we didn't stay super late on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Like, we were both just kind of tired. And Erica did, um, sh- last year she had bought the game The Final Girl, which is like a one-player, um, 
it's a one player board game about like it's like a horror themed board game where you you're trying to be the final girl in some sort of like slasher scenario um she ended up buying like the game mat to make it a little easier to figure out like like how to configure everything um that game has a really cool box though because the box is all magnetic so the box actually becomes your board too if you don't have the game mat and if you do have the game mat you actually just use the box as like pieces essentially Mm -hmm. um it actually takes three tray tables put together to actually play this game though because it's so big um and she was at it she played a little bit saturday to try and like remember how to play it and then she probably played for like four and a half hours on sunday like it's a very long game but she seemed to dig it um i think if you check our instagram there's a picture that shows like what the setup of the game looks like it's it's pretty neat like if you're ever looking for just a basically a single player board game that's like more than just like solitaire Mm -hmm. uh but other than that that'll probably do it for this week yeah that's Uh, a show real quick i forgot i bought two games on friday i think it was uh sarah bought a game called my brain is a stick of butter it's a solo game about uh uh, living with adhd so, like, you can either play it to kind of learn more about how ADHD affects you, or ha- give it to someone who doesn't have ADHD and be like, hey, play this, and maybe you'll learn a little of how my brain works. Uh, okay. That is by a, a person named Adam Bell. And at the same table was a game called Beak, Feather, and Bone, which is a cooperative, like, world-building game. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is a map. There are multiple factions. Uh, each player takes a turn coloring and uh, coloring in an item on the map for their faction, and then describing the beak, feather, and bone of the building or whatever it is. So the beak being the purpose it serves, the feather being what the outside looks like, and the bone being what the inside looks like. Okay, and that just seems like a cool world building thing. So. Yeah. Um. And I, I guess actually if we're just running off a few things that we bought, um, Erica on, I think it was Friday, might have been Saturday, bought the um, Barcadia, I believe is what it was called. Was that the name of the game, Rich? Heroes of uh, Barcadia. Heroes of yeah. Barcadia, yes. That one. She she bought like the, the full Kickstarter edition of it, which came with like the four or five like pint glasses that are your health um, and like all the, all the bells and whistles. Mm-hmm. And then um, I bought um, the Mistborn game which is based on a series of novels and they had they were doing a deal where like they were selling just everything for a hundred dollars and you also got two of like the hardcover novels that aren't really in print anymore and are very hard to find um so i also bought the entire run of like their tabletop rpg that is also based in that world um and like both of them seem kind of neat um I talked about those books a while ago. Um, they're the ones where, like, the magic system is based around, like, metals. And different metals give you basically different abilities. Um, some of them are physical. Some of them are mental or emotional. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there's, like, there's a whole, like, RPG system for it. And then the board game is, like, a resource management style game where you you are playing as one of the noble houses in this final empire. And you're trying to please the the Lord Ruler, who is the the God King of the world, um, while also not having your house destroyed by the main character of the books. So, you know, mm-hmm. there there there's there's fun for all there. Um, but yeah, that's other than, than that and the mystery boxes. That's that's kind of what we bought. Nice. Yeah. Um, and Rich, you talked about what you bought already. Yeah. 
Uh, so, yeah. So that'll do it for this week then. Um, next, not next week, in two weeks we'll be having our book club where we're going to talk about Batman, uh, Batman Returns, which should be fun. It's on HBO Max. Um, and then other than that, you can find more of our content over at www.one-quest.com. You can also help us out by supporting us at patreon.com slash onequest. If you can't support us there with your dollars, though, you go to your favorite podcasting platform, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, all the places. Rate us, review us, subscribe to us. It helps a whole lot. You can also find us on social media. We are facebook.com slash onequestonline or at one underscore quest on Instagram and Twitter. Instagram has a bunch of pictures from uh, from all three days of PAX if you want to see what some of the games look like. And then uh, you can always send us emails to social at one-quest.com. And Rich, you'll be streaming your normal streamy stuff this week and next yes. week and all that? Uh, yes. Um, Thursday uh, Thursday is going to be Pokemon. Uh, Sunday, we're going to do Monster Hunter. And uh, starting next week, Mondays is going back to Mega Man. Mega Man X. Mega Man Mondays. Tuesdays, Monster Hunter. Thursdays. Uh, Pokemon, and then Sunday's just whatever I decide amongst, uh, within those groups. Because there's nothing really I want to play right now, so I'm just playing the same all right now. So come check it out. Twitch.tv slash B underscore Walnuts. Cool. And with that, we'll be back next week with something else to talk about. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. Bye.